This is episode number 55 of The Homeowner Show. Whether you're DIY or looking to hire, we're here to help you find the best information and options for you and your home. My name is Kevin Hackett, and here with me is Craig Williams. Hello, 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 and welcome to The Homeowner Show. We're glad that you guys could tune in, turn the dial. No one has a dial anymore. No, you just... None. You know, swipe up. Yeah. <laughs> you turned your phone on. That's right. And we were there. Yeah, that's right. So, but we're glad that you could join us. If you haven't yet, the content today is going to be amazing. So go ahead and hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, the notification bell, whatever it is, whatever platform you're using. I, I think on Kevin's, it's like a donkey head or something, <laughs> but you can click on that. So, and it'll bring you new episodes, hopefully, whenever that app's working. It's, yeah. yeah. It, it makes it super easy. That way you don't have to worry about whenever a new episode's out. Yeah. It's just going to come straight to your phone or whatever you listen, you know, to our show on. Yep. And so you can follow us there on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the fun places. Yep. We're there. So, what's going on, Kev? Man, I'm just, uh, it's been a weird day. Yeah? Yeah. Just around here. I mean... We've, uh, we're, you know, we're in Houston and we got a tropical storm going on. There's flooding everywhere. What was the official name of this tropical storm? Ima, 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 It sounded Hispanic I don't know. to me. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce it. It starts with an I. It starts with an I. We're in the I's. Yeah. The next one will be an H. That's right. And, It'll be Hector. Um, and so, yeah, it's just been kind of a. An it was Imelda. Imelda. <laughs> I was close. I don't know. What, we need to stop guessing it wasn't um, i heard it like but six other times than on that radio. yeah yeah <laughs> other than that i mean things are good yeah how about you uh, man i am partially homeless oh yeah so my the entire downstairs of my home is now completely gutted oh it's we, finally happened we have no floors okay no ceilings oh and thankfully no more surprises okay yeah so what's the uh so so now y'all I remember last episode you said you're gonna move upstairs. So now you're moving up you've moved We've, upstairs. I've officially taken my in trouble position on the couch. Okay. Um as my regular sleeping arrangement. Mm. Although I'm not in trouble this time. I'm just voluntarily sleeping on the couch. At the moment. At the moment. <laughs> until I'm told otherwise <laughs> that it's the trouble position. When everybody's living upstairs, it's not gonna take long. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's close quarters. But yeah. like, so the bathroom's gutted, the bedroom's gutted, the living room's gutted, the mm. entryway's gutted. Okay. Um, yeah, all new floors are going in, all new ceilings are going in. It's just a big stinking chalky mess. Yeah, I bet. So, but I did learn that um, my house has three slabs. Th what? Three slabs. Three slabs? Yeah, I found two expansion joints and like three narrow pieces of concrete running through the house. I mean, like, it, it seems to be sturdy. Uh, <laughs> wow. So, that was a fun surprise. So, where is the third slab? Well, they're, they're all, like, parallel. Okay. And so, there's, like, kind of, like, a free-floating slab in the middle between two slabs. Oh. Yeah. So, is this in the bathroom? Is it in your bedroom? No, it just, it literally runs right, I mean, like, they, they're they of equal proportion. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so what are you going to have to do? Just pour new concrete? No. Yeah, basically, I mean, because we're putting in new floors, they had carpet in before, so you okay. really couldn't tell. Sure. Uh, and you had that nice bouncy padding. <laughs> um, but they're going like, to caulk it uh -huh. and then fill it with a uh, floor leveler. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, because they're coming back through with some some wood floors. So, we're talking tile. like a, we're talking like a quarter inch. Half yeah, inch. yeah. Okay. So, um, right. and there's some other stuff going on. That's like you know, it's not you know, you always run into surprises when sure. you're when you're doing this major of an of an overhaul. But uh, we're we're excited, man, because the up, the upstairs is pretty much done. Um, remember when we put in the uh, the homeowner show wall outside the studio? Yeah, and. Brandy got mad at me because I didn't do anything like that in the house. I do remember. So I finished that today in the house. I put that wall up in the house oh. uh, for my son's bedroom. So she was really happy about that. So well, th 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 know, things are progressing. Yeah, that ought to buy you a couple of nights. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> off of the couch. Some uh, <laughs> where you're still on the couch. Some, some credit for my couch time. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, we actually have a really really cool episode. Uh, we we have my new friend Jacob in studio. Yeah. Uh, and, and his wife, who's refusing to get on a microphone. Yep. Um, so, but she's here. She just didn't want to talk. That's right. But we just wanted to acknowledge that because she got really, you know, testy with me about getting on a microphone. Uh, <laughs> You're making her blush. <laughs> I wouldn't push her, Craig. She She'll make you sleep on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, uh, 
You may know Jacob if you are familiar with the show Forged in Fire, and it's on the History Channel, right? Yes, sir. So, and from season six, episode fifteen, episode fifteen, titled Nagamaki. Yeah. So, so and uh, we get, he brought fun props with him tonight. And so, if yeah. you don't know what Forged in Fire, Kev, why don't you let, let everybody know what's what's going on here? Well, so basically, it's a it's a reality TV show. And, um, you know, we, we've got so many different ones of those, but this one specifically is centered around forging right? and around guys coming in. I, I don't know if it's all guys. I yeah, assume well, there's, there's some, a lot of ladies, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not trying to be gender biased here. Um, <laughs> but you were. I mean, I do it way too often <laughs> accidentally. Um, but uh, I, I just use guys as like a general term. and I should, Guys and gals. That's guys. right. Guys and gals. She uh, won't be offended. She's, she's a cool chick. Okay, good. Well, there's listeners out there though that's already hate me so that's not helping so anyway um so yeah just uh the the show is about guys coming on and gals coming on and um you know forging different different things and there's a contest and whoever wins uh the show the episode when uh you know wins ten thousand dollars yeah that's that's a pretty sweet deal and um so yeah jacob fill in the fill in the gaps on what i missed well that's pretty much it it's a competition show where either four or sometimes they do bigger shows where it's like master and apprentice and they i think they're coming out with one that's like husband and wife and we didn't get in on that one which would have been awesome but um you know it's about four competitors they come in they give you three rounds of competition um you have to forge out a blade that they give you parameters on in the first round the second round you usually have to put a handle on it and then they do a testing round so if you're not eliminated by the first round because you didn't meet parameters or they eliminate some, they eliminate somebody each round okay. so like say you forge your blade out and everybody's is great they pick the one that they like the least or say you didn't meet the parameters it wasn't long enough or it was too short you know so on and so forth um they'll they'll eliminate you and then that's actually what happened in my episode uh steve wayne he's from new york uh upstate new york real cool guy 30-year veteran of uh, farriers. Now he runs Heather's Heart Forge, which is a school for uh, bladesmithing there Mm. in New York. He's posting videos nonstop. I'm going to give him a little tag here. Cool guy. Uh, He came up in like half inch to an inch short in the first round. And I I kept telling all of them, like, measure twice, measure twice, measure (laughs) twice. Well, he was burning an inch because they give you these big metal rulers and you know how it has like a quarter inch at the end of the ruler. Well, everybody burns an inch. Yeah. He burned that inch, but he didn't, Add it back. Add it to the other end. Yeah. So he he wound up being almost an inch short. Wow. Um, so he was out the first round. And then, you know, me, Braxton, and Kyle um made it through the second round, putting the handles on, which was probably my toughest round. Uh I had trouble um getting getting my handle on, to say the least. But I got it on there and it it looked good. And then they went into the testing and Kyle's blade broke in the handle. Oh um, man. It if his blade would have broke in the handle, he might have actually went to the finals over me because his was a better looking finished blade. Okay. Um, one of the things the judges said the most about my blade is how thin it was. It was a thin, narrow blade. And I forged it thinking I was going to make it wider, but then I just kind of got carried away on the press because it was my first time using a big press like that. And I was like, mm. oh, yeah, this is awesome. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I met the parameters. It just, they're like, oh, this we're going to chop into a 45 pound dumbbell with this. And this is like a kitchen knife. And I'm like, "Eh, do your worst. And they smashed it into the dumbbell and all it did was take a chip, but everybody's took a chip. When you take a piece of hardened steel and you smash it into cast iron, it's going to chip or break. Yeah. But unfortunately Kyle's broke in the handle. And, um, so that advanced me and Braxton to the uh, finale. And so what we had to do from there is they flew us home. Uh, We had four days at our home forge to make the Nagamaki. And I brought my sword thinking podcast video. But anyways, um, the Nagamaki is a is a type of katana. So in Japanese, it means long handled sword. So it's like think of a katana and then think of the handle of the katana being the same length of the blade. Mm. And that's what a Nagamaki is. And it was the biggest undertaking I've ever made. Uh, you know, trying to grind it on my grinder. I was kept hitting the ceiling of my like, <laughs> eight foot tall ceiling. Wow. You know, I was, well, yeah. How, how long is this one? This one is, uh, it was 30. It's about five foot four. Okay. It's a five foot four sword or something it's like my height. Yeah. <laughs> it, it stands taller than my wife. So, um, it's, 
it's my favorite thing. And I, we, you know, we made it to the finale after we got it all back. Um, we did the final thing of testing and we went through all three rounds. He did extremely well. I did extremely well. He, the only thing that bummed me out is they cut through a boar carcass as the, the strength test and his chopped through it. And then mine hit the spine mm. and I could hear it when he hit the spine and it didn't chop all the way through the, the boar and it broke my heart. Cause that's all I wanted to see was that half of that boar carcass that clean cut, right? Oh, just yeah. fall to the ground. And it was a clean cut. Um, and then we had the strength test was they had to cut through stalks of bamboo and bamboo. If anybody knows is a super hard, durable material. Yes. Both of our blades sliced through it like butter. Mm-hmm. And then the sharpness test was the last one. Obviously neither blade took any damage and, um, the sharpness test was a breeze for both of us. And it really just came down to the finite details that the judges, uh, was the sharpness one where they're cutting, is that melons that they're hitting? They, they did cut yeah. melons. So they, they cut a tatami mat, which is like a traditional way of uh, samurais or even people that are learning kendo, the, the art of sword in Japan. Um, sword fighting, I guess you would say. Um, it's how they demonstrate their their swiftness and their accuracy. So it, I don't know if you ever watch videos. This, I've always been into that kind of stuff. I lived <laughs> in Japan for two years when I was in the military. So I was super into all the martial arts and stuff. Um, you know, they take their sword out and like one swift move and in like a blink of an eye, this thing is cut in half twice. And like it's fruit just, ninja. Yeah, oh yeah. But, <laughs> but with an actual sword. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. These guys are bad dudes. So, you know, we made it through less insulting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get you. I get you. Uh, I've only played the game like once. I didn't even think of that reference. Um, So, you know, we made it through all three rounds. Both of our blades survives and it just came down to the finite details of the final, you know, sword. My wife's shaking her head right now because she thinks I should have (laughs) won. And his, his had a little bit more of a round handle. Mm. Mine's a little bit more oblong. um, So it's kind of thinner on the sides and a little bit longer. I think it feels great for people with big hands. I think, they've all told me it felt great and it's very well indexed. You always know where the blade edge is. And then one thing I do really agree with him on is his finish grind on the blade was nicer than mine. I broke my first sword in my four Mm. days of uh, forging. I broke my first sword in on the second day, halfway through. So I had two and a half days to complete a sword and I wound up forging it out and getting it heat treated all in the second day. So Mm. I, I, kicked butt that day and it was it was a feat let me tell you right now spending 35 hours on the forge straight that's exhausting it's exhausting jeez mm, i mean wow. it's and luckily it was uh november when we filmed yeah, so it was nice and cool outside yeah. and if it was july i would have died yeah <laughs> i mean i i forge nonstop all year round and it usually gets up to like 120 something degrees in my forge wow um roughly and um it's brutal. Yeah. I can only do like a couple hours at a time at most, especially standing in front of the fire. If I'm just grinding yeah. or doing something like that, but standing in front of the fire, it gets, it gets pretty brutal. Mm, like so. I, I got to tell everybody like before the, before the show, I got, I actually got to hold this one. It's, it's gorgeous for one and it feels really nice in the hand. Um, but like, well, and we'll, we'll put some pictures up on, on Facebook and Instagram and yeah. so everybody can see what, what it looks like. Cause I mean, it's massive. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but it, that whole sword weighs less than five pounds. Yeah. I mean, it's like, and it was like, it was really well balanced yeah. in my hand. I was like, and that's that's one of the things that uh, Dave Baker, uh, one of the judges on the show, he held both of our swords at the habaki, and it balanced perfectly on his finger. Okay, both of them. And he was like, "I'm impressed at how well you balance these blades." You know, people try their hardest to do that, and this one, both of these blades are just perfectly balanced. So mm. we, were, it was a good head-to-head match. Um, I think he just came out on top because he had a little bit more time to do the finer finish work that yeah. I if I wouldn't have broke my first one, I would have had the time to do that. Sure. Mm. So what was this your, was this one of your first swords? Yeah. That's the first sword I ever made. Wow. So like the longest knife, I guess you'd, I'd ever made, um, was 15 inches. And as requirement, as a requirement for the interview process of the show, they tell you, know, that you, you fill out a questionnaire. They ask you, have you made this? Have you done this? Have you done, you know, canister Damascus and stuff of that nature. And, um, I have dodge. no idea what that is. What is that? Canister Damascus is where you take like a powdered steel and other either high carbon or low carbon steels and you put them inside of like a square tube and you weld up both ends, you make it airtight and you put it in the forge, you squeeze it and hammer it down and then you peel the canister off and it'll display a beautiful um, pattern. 
It huh. really does. I mean, if you get it done right, like a lot of people like using ball bearings. Hmm. So you get the ball bearings, you take off the outer coating of whatever zinc or whatever's on it. Yeah. And then you put them in there and uh, with your powdered steel and it'll look like, like a little polka dotted steel. Huh. It's awesome. It's a cool, I love doing canister masks. I don't do it often enough because I get busy with all my other projects, but, um, it sounds time consuming. Like, is it, it's actually not that bad. No. Um, Damascus <laughs> itself is time consuming, no matter what kind of Damascus you're making. Um, layered Damascus where you stack, you know, two different types of steel. I use 1095 and 15 and 20. 1095 is high in manganese, which is what brings out the darkness in the steel and then 15 and 20 is a high nickel content steel so it has the opposite effect so it has this really pretty contrast and you can manipulate the layers um or you can manipulate the pattern a lot of different ways one of my favorite ways is twisting it you mm-hmm. stack them up I, I like putting it into a round bar twisting it as many times as i want um i recently did 31 layers twisted 31 times um and it it has almost like a ladder look to it Mm. but it's at an angle okay so it it really it really looks sweet and if you do it right and you know what you're doing you take your time with it you can produce i mean there's some guys out there that make mosaic pieces which is i don't know if y'all ever seen mosaic damascus Mm -hmm. they make they make a pattern into a tile and then like this pattern is an explosion pattern then they cut little tiles out of it they stack those up and they weld them up to where it's a repeating pattern Oh. So an explosion all the way down the blade. Okay. Those guys sell those blades for like 2,500 bucks. Wow. Really? Yeah. I mean, it, it takes a lot of time. Sure. I watched a guy, I'm always sucked down some YouTube hole, 40 <laughs> minutes watching some guy make a sword. Uh, watched one guy, Master Smith, can't remember his name off the top of my head, um, made a mosaic piece, uh, like broadsword or something of that nature. Beautiful. Wow. Took mm. three months. Oh my goodness. Three Dang. months to do it. For one. Yeah. One I mean, blade. but this, I mean, it, this thing had gold inlay in it. Oh, wow. It was gorgeous. Mm. I was like, I, I, mean, I don't have the time or the patience to do something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I mean, if I, if that's all I did, like if I didn't have a full-time job and a bunch of other stuff, then yeah, I'd completely under that. Yeah. I could, I could squeeze out two hours a day to do that blade yeah you know so what well, i mean here, here we are we're about 15 minutes in and i imagine a lot of people are going like why are we talking about forging on on the homeowner show oh, yeah. <laughs> and real, real quick i mean like just so everyone knows you do all this from your home i do you have a home forge yes I that do. you built and you know got all the pieces and parts together but like take it take us back a little bit how'd you, how'd you get started with all this so i got started because of my grandfather my grandpa bob lives in new waverly uh he's a lifetime member of the houston area blacksmith association uh they they operate out of magnolia now and if anybody's interested uh look it up haba iron uh-huh. Com. Uh, they have monthly meetings. You can go down there. You can just watch. You can learn. You can join. Um, great. You know, they do a lot of ornamental stuff. So it takes you back to the basics of blacksmithing. That's where I started. I started, my first thing I ever made was at a Haba meeting. The first one I ever went to, I watched somebody make a wizard head. And then I went out to my grandfather's forge and anvil that he had mobile for me. And I did it. And some of the guys in the, in the, uh, association were like, man, this this kid picked it up that quick. He's, he can, he can do something. So then when I told them, Hey, I'm on forging fire, you should watch it. They were all sending me messages like, man, we knew you were going to do something you did really good. They're nice. all really proud. Yeah. Well, so what, r- r- real quick, when you say wizard's head. So like literally I took a piece of bar stock. Is it, I mean, we're talking about like the head of a wizard or yeah, like, so like the face of a wizard. Okay. <laughs> so I took a piece of bar stock you, you round the end and I can still do it. I just, I haven't done it in a while, but I could, I could do it in the heartbeat because it was <laughs> that memorable to me. You round the, you know, you, you cone out the end of a piece of square stock. Uh, you, you know, roll it to where it's like a, almost like a needle point and you roll it over to where it kind of looks like a wizard hat. And then you cut the lines in and then you, you know, you punch in the eyes, you, you cut out the mustache out of the corners to where his mustache <laughs> comes out. You put a little mouth and you cut in his little beard and kind of looks like me, but with a bigger mustache. Uh, <laughs> if anybody, y'all don't know what I look like. I have a huge beard. Um, and if it's, it's not wizard yet, but give me a couple of years. You're close. Yeah. You're not Merlin <laughs> I'm yet. Not, I'm not but... a grand wizard yet. But, uh, <laughs> it's not white yet either. So. Yeah. Well, I got some the stress of working three jobs is getting there. So they're getting there and they're pretty quick. Yeah. I understand. I do. Yeah. Well, cool. So, um, so yeah, so, you you started just because you had family connection, right? Yeah, my grandfather. So so you decided to you know 
this pursue. is something I wanted to do. Yeah, exactly. And so, so what then did it take to get your forge set up? And you know, did is that something that just you you were all in and you just immediately started getting it all, or you just kind of well, acquired it, over time? It took it took a long time for me to actually think. Okay, I had it as a hobby, and I did it, you know, a couple times a month. I, I enjoyed making knives and stuff of that nature. And then, uh, at the time, uh, I used my grandfather's for a long time. He, you know, he had a forge, and we accumulated stuff together: anvils, you know, tongs. He's he's a collector, so this man would buy. I'm talking like whole estate sales worth oh, wow. of, worth of tools and stuff. So he he accumulated a lot over his lifetime and that's how I got started into it. So I was very lucky. I didn't have to come out of pocket. Um, and it wound up, you know, he was like, all right, well you're using all my materials and you know, I, I was like, I'll give you money for it. You know, but anyways, um, <laughs> so it came down to where he wanted to get rid of the blacksmith shop at his house because I, I guess he didn't want room or he didn't want me coming over there and making a mess or whatever, regardless. So I wound up buying all that stuff from him and, um, I, I wound up keeping, I bought it all like wholesale cause I'm, I got the grandson discount. Um, <laughs> and I wound up getting rid of some pieces that I wish now that I wouldn't have got rid of like a, um, a forging cone. A lot of blacksmiths won't know what I'm talking about perfect condition i regret to this day that i got rid of it it's just a big cone that you can make big rings out of and mm. anyways um i wound up selling a lot of stuff to kind of compensate for how much money i spent on it and i built a carport in my backyard just on the dirt and uh, had you know a little coal forge a little propane forge that i bought for like 150 bucks an anvil and some hammers and a trip hammer uh trip hammer was like hand actuated i bought it from him for a good price um but before that i just used all you know all shoulder muscle or i don't want to get into that um, <laughs> but um then i really started thinking well i want to turn this hobby into something that can make me money because it can be a very expensive hobby if you're just doing it you're not selling any pieces and you're just doing it to have fun uh, you know the price of steel goes up every year you know yeah. coal goes up every year propane goes up every year and uh the better you get at it, the more tools you need because you're trying to do more and fancy stuff. And I'm still in that boat. <laughs> I'm still in that boat. I'm trying to hide from my wife right now. Um, so my stepdad had a friend, Dana Turner. He lived in Northern California. He owned Fort Turner, which was all he did was make tomahawks and throwing knives. And uh, he... He was out of the game for a long time, uh, couldn't forge because he had back problems, and he's been looking for somebody to sell his company to. So I got in touch with him. We talked for like six months, and finally I got a business loan, and uh, my wife and I took some of the money from the business loan and completely built my whole shop. I mean, we did the concrete and everything. It was I'm the only one that's ever done concrete out of the six people that helped me, so it was... Uh, <laughs> My three, my two sisters, my wife, and then my two best friends. And that's hard work. Oh, that is brutal work, especially yes. in the middle of June. Oh, oh wow. So we well, said, you know, drive or was quickly. it May? I'm <laughs> sorry, it was May. Um, it was a brutal, brutal day of work, yeah. and we got a nice pad, level enough, and um, <laughs> it was level. Yeah. Um, and we did a really good job. And then me and my wife took, you know, originally I'd taken my carport out of the way and we put my carport back. We put up garage doors so we can lock it up. We built an overhang on the back to where I do all my forging to where it's partially outside. I have two open walls. So I kind of get a breeze going through there and you know, it's, uh, we did it all together. And besides the concrete, it was just me and her. So it, wow. it took many a night after work. You know, I'm, I'm a full-time uh, electrical technician here in the Houston area. I work 40 to 80 hours a week sometimes. So it was many nights and weekends and just brutal hot days in the middle of the summer. And, uh, I can't, I couldn't have done it without her. So anyways, we, um, we got Dana Turner down. We bought all of his equipment, um, yet again, wholesale. Cause I wasn't going to pay, you know, new prices for a bunch of old sure. used stuff. Yeah. Bought all the equipment that he thinks that he thought that I would need in order to start making tomahawks. Uh, paid him handsomely for a month to stay with me and, uh, train me. I took a month off work, which I was so grateful that my bosses let me do this month and paid off work. Wow. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I mean, they knew that it was a passion. They knew that I was like, hey, man, I'll do it unpaid. Just make sure I have a job when I come back. And uh, I feel like I'm a valuable asset to that company. Um, Appar apparently. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Maybe a month <laughs> off. Yeah. yeah. So um, 
he came down. We spent a month just making tomahawks. That's all we did. Every day, starting at 7 o'clock in the morning. Um, when did we do that? In July. So, this guy's in Northern California. You know, he's he's just like, he lived in the mountains. A mm. little bit of heat, you know, like 80, 90 degrees. He didn't know this heat. Oh, my God. I was, <laughs> by like the fifth day, I was like, if he says it's hot outside one more time, I might throw him in the forge. <laughs> and, you know, he's he's one of those like super nice, charismatic guys, but yeah. he's he's at that level all the time. Yeah. At like 7 o'clock in the morning, he was, Ooh. I'm going to I'm gonna just go back from the mic because I don't want to yell in everybody's ear, but good morning oh, wow. <laughs> across the house. And I'm wow. like. I'm not a morning person. I have not even opened the coffee maker yet. I will cut you if you start doing that again. My wife is trying to sleep and I don't want to have to deal with that. So it was, um, it was an interesting time, a month, but I learned a whole lot. And I really appreciate Dan Turner to this day because, uh, you know, I wouldn't be where I am without him wanting to get rid of his company and coming down and training me. So mm. now I sell tomahawks and throwing knives and I do custom knife work uh, all through Bravehawk Forge. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Um, and we actually have BraveHawkForge.com. Uh, we sell all our stuff through that, all our products through there. So, uh, But yeah, that, and that was the other piece that you brought tonight was one, yeah. of, your, one of your throwing so tomahawks. This is actually one of my... Uh, Oops, sorry. Uh, you good? Uh, this is actually one of my battle tomahawks. So mm -hmm. we have three variations. We have a, a throwing tomahawk, and then we have, or sorry, three categories: throwing tomahawks, um, pulled tomahawks, which is like a utility style tomahawk with a hammer on it on the back end, um, and then we have our battle tomahawks. Oh, I'm sorry, we we have a fourth one now: uh, our pipe tomahawks, which are. If you're looking for a showpiece, you don't want to like beat it up or anything. If you've ever wanted to have a peace pipe and then also have a tomahawk, which was very traditional back in the day, you know, look us up because we, we make some pretty cool stuff. But um, this one is one of my battle tomahawks. This is a spiked Valkyrie. Um, I know we'll, we'll show you photos later of it. Um, it's, its design is one of my four base models, the Valkyrie. Uh, it comes from Norse Norseman times. So all of my tomahawks are based in a like the design form are based in a period of history. So we have the buck, which is like a frontier style tomahawk. Um, we have the Valkyrie, which is a Norseman style. Uh, I'm drawing a blank here. I know all these Iroquois, which is um, from like the East, you know, Eastern United States during the Iroquois nation. That was one of the, the designs we got actually out of a museum. Hmm. Um, we have the Francesca, which is a 14th century Frankish design. It's one of my favorites. It's one of my wife throws. I always try and get the ladies to, to uh, buy it because it has curves. You know, it's mm. it's super curvy. It's, it's a pretty. Oh, it, it it's lethal too, though, man. It, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> like tomahawk. a lady. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite tomahawks <laughs> just because of the way the blue the blade swoops. If you know how to throw, you can stick that thing every single time. Okay. Yeah, if you know what you're doing, um, and it, I mean, it's not that hard. I teach four year olds how to throw tomahawks, huh. so it's actually one of my favorite pastimes. I like. Teaching. I never want to teach at that preschool. <laughs> oh, no. it's, it's usually the cool parents to bring their kids to knife shows and stuff yeah um, the cool parents yeah you know get them in there young yeah you gotta start them early you gotta you know in my opinion when it comes to like hunting and knives and stuff guns of that nature the earlier you get them in there and let them know that these are dangerous things and right. like you got to respect these things then the the more like that's how i was i started i shot my first gun when i was like six and it was a shotgun yeah, and it wow. knocked me over. Yeah. Um, but I respected that shotgun. I actually own that shotgun now. It was oh, a little 410 shotgun. I was a little kid. <laughs> yeah, you uh, won yeah. eventually. Yeah. Oh, now I can be like, <laughs> but I don't do it. You know what I mean? So I, I love it whenever the parents bring, you know, the parents want to come and play because everybody's a kid at heart and they want to throw a tomahawk and feel like brave heart. I'm like, not Braveheart. Talking about the, the Patriot movie. The Patriot. God, yes. I, I, yeah. You know how many times I get that? It's But it's Mel Gibson. He's yeah, in both yeah, of them. It's fine. Exactly. That's true. Um, anyway, so everybody wants to come feel like the Patriot and throw it at a stump. And they're all, they're all trying to be all cool. And um, which I love because, you know, we, we do competitions. We charge, you know, a fee, 10 bucks most of the time, unless we're working for a charity. If we're working for a charity, we charge a little more. So we have money to give to the charity. Um and then whoever has the highest score at the end of the day uh, wins a tomahawk. So, I mean, you're paying $10 and you're potentially winning a $100 tomahawk. So, sweet. It, it, it's sweet. And then, you know, the kids were watching and they're like, oh, I want to play. I want to play. And they come out there. We have this little, like, 
13 inch pup hawk is what we call it. And it's real light. And I go out there and I'm like, all right, you, you got to do it this way. And they do it a couple times and eventually they'll stick it. And the look on their face is like one of my happiest moments. Yeah. I'll wait all day just to have one kid come in there and stick one tomahawk at four five, six years old. And they're just like, yes. And they have such <laughs> gratification. And I'm like, man, could you remember whenever you were like so happy about one simple thing in your life? <laughs> yeah. So, and being able to react the way kids react. Oh yeah. They're like, yes. I mean, so, it's, one such of my- <laughs> a, it's such a, like just super natural, like, yeah, I, it's, yeah. I, I love those types of reactions. It's, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And th- that's the way that a lot of people are feeling when they're calling drone quote now. Oh yeah. Yeah. When they call them out, they're getting the quotes on the roof. They're getting the quotes on the solar and they're getting three separate quotes from three different companies. And so like the, the competition's built in right there. You don't have to go through all the, the rigmarole of, you know, finding the right roofer, finding the right solar guy, interviewing them and, you know, checking their materials and all this kind of stuff. They find the guy for you. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I'm telling you, if you ever want an easy thing, this is easy. I mean, I, I tell you, one of the, one of the hardest things, in my opinion, to do is find a person to do a job for you because you don't know these people, you don't know the reputation, um, and, and we've talked about that on our show before about how you go and, and try to find people that are reputable. Um, but this this company, Drone Quote, they take all the questions out of that for you. They they know who the reputable companies are. They're using them on a regular basis. They've got a, a relationship with them, and they're going to bring you the best quotes. And you know that you're going to have that at your disposal whenever you're making a decision. Yep. And and actually, next week, uh, Insinuate and his business partner, they're actually going to come on the show and talk about how their business works and and how they can help you find the right solar system, the right roofer, the right roof, all that kind of stuff. And it's just fun because, you know, they're going to send that FAA certified drone pilot out and they're going to fly that high tech thing up there and get some really cool photos of your house. And you get the photos. I get the the photos for free, right? Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. As soon as y'all started talking about roofers and solar panels, my wife ears perked up real quick (laughs) because we actually had, we found that we had a leak in our roof this morning when a big storm came through. Today's the day to know. We've been talking about... Uh, getting solar panels because we're p- tired of paying two hundred dollars a month in yeah, electricity bills right? minimum. So well, not not only that, I mean, like, and you, you get know, the government incentives. That's the whole reason I started. I saw some posts. I was like, oh, they they give you a discount, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah. I've, it's this yeah. is the last year for the the big incentive too, because like next year, I think right now it's. And I, don't quote me on this. I think it's thirty percent, something like that. And then, like next year, it's stepping down to like twenty six, oh, and then okay. twenty four, and then twenty. And, and it's like they're they're stepping it down over the next four years, and then it's just going to go away. Wow. Um, so it's like if you're going to do it, like now's the time because you're going to get the best tax incentives. Um, yeah, I, my wife and I have been researching it for a long time. We're probably going to pull the trigger on it as well. Yeah, and and again. It's as simple as is clicking on our link for drone <laughs> quote, and they're going to give you the quotes. It's going to be so easy. Yeah, perfect. And so. what is their what is their service costs for them to come out and fly it over? Nothing. Know that. Nothing. Nothing. They yeah, get, they get their money from the, the. The best way I can like describe this to a person is it's very similar to Google like Earth, a, like a, well, like, <laughs> no, like a travel agent. Okay, like a travel agent. You don't pay for a travel agent. Yeah, I mean, you, they get you their walk money into a travel the agent. They that's exactly right. Yeah. They get a they get a kickback from the hotel and drone quote is is similar they to use their services is free the company that that winds up doing the work winds up paying them a percentage and that's the way they get their money so you as as the consumer don't pay drone quote and so it's it's just like someone coming out and giving you an estimate yeah uh, hopefully people are giving you free estimates. If they're not, then you need to find someone else. Exactly. And, um, and, and it's just a, it's a real simple process. They then go out, find three quotes for you, bring it back to you. And you have three quotes at your disposal to, to make a decision with. That's awesome. We'll yeah. be, uh, probably hitting them up next week. <laughs> She's already on the phone. Oh, so checking quote. them out. Yep. No, awesome. they're, they're good guys. Uh, cool. we, we've enjoyed working with them so far. So yeah, but we, we've actually have like some, some events coming up that you're going to be a part of. And like you, you do these, so people can hire you to come do the, the tomahawk throwing. Yes, you can. And you, like so for parties if, and events and all that kind of stuff. If you want to hire us to come out for your birthday party, come out for your graduation party, whatever, uh, yeah. hit us up on bravehawkforge.com. Um, either shoot us an email. Uh, it's actually 
under the hire us tab on our website. Um, we're actually doing an event this weekend in Lake Striker uh, Resort, which is in like Northeast Texas. I couldn't tell you the name of the town. Yeah, um, but it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, from the pictures I've seen, it's gorgeous. Sure um, it is. She she found us through our website, and then she also got referred to our website by another blacksmith that was on Forge and Fire who lives in that area. Awesome. So she wanted to have us come out, and she pretty much built a whole event around us coming out to do this tomahawk gun competition. So, I mean, that's if you want to hire us to come out, come on, you know, give us a call. And I, I got to say, like, I've seen a lot of these uh, axe-throwing mm-hmm. places popping up. Yeah, but it's t- like... But, the tomahawk's just cooler. It's so well, much cooler. Okay. <laughs> so my two cents on that, because I don't want to get on this soapbox too much, but um, <laughs> we like soapboxes. Oh, on. hey. So <laughs> at those axe throwing places, you're getting a hatchet that's bought at Home Depot Lowe's, you know, weighs four or five pounds meant for chopping wood, right. chopping limbs yeah. off of trees. Yeah. My tomahawks, this tomahawk right here that I'm holding weighs 1.2 ounces. Ooh. It's, let me hold that. Thing. I'm sorry. One pound two ounces not 1.2 ounces that's just ridiculous um <laughs> i can carry that backpacking yeah so we actually make we make what's called the trapper tomahawk it's one of our utility ones uh we had sold one to a guy that lives in las vegas a friend of my mom's uh he's a big hunter he took it into the arctic circle in his backpack used it to butcher his caribou used it to chop his firewood used it to you know drive his tent stakes dude's bad i mean well, i don't look, know what i can say on here but dude's an awesome guy uh sent us a bunch of photos and it's 16 inches it weighs less than a pound let me, let me tell you right now that thing is sharp yeah, <laughs> yeah be careful sorry i should have no I, forewarning I, I i know how to handle knives i'm fine yeah. but that 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 thing is super sharp yeah. i mean if you, if you want to take that somewhere and use it yeah, you can so use it this is our battle one so um you know like i said the i was telling craig earlier that our battle one my predecessor sold a lot of them to uh, the rangers regiment mm. in fort Benning, is that right? That yeah, sounds right. right. I always say Fort Bridger because that's like a big rendezvous that's in Wyoming. Um, Fort Benning. <laughs> I thought you were talking about Fort Worth. No, no, the no, Rangers. No, 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 Arlington, no, 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 Texas. No, okay, no, anyway, no, nobody likes them. Oh, oh no. I got take an that, Astro, Kev. I got an Astros <laughs> tattoo on my leg. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyways, so he sold them to the Rangers Regiment, and they used them overseas after they got trained. Um, they could use them in battle, and the spike on the back of that tomahawk is battle proven to go straight through a Kevlar helmet. Whoa. So obviously we don't have any gory photos of that, but if I did, trust me, they'd be on my website. Yeah, I think that would be awesome. Someone needs to test it out. Yeah. I, I don't want to wear it. Put a, put a Kevlar helmet on a... Wear this helmet, Kev. Uh, sure. Kevlar helmet it's Kevlar. on a watermelon. It'll be great. That's right. No. So, um, yeah, our Tomahawks, we, we do our throwing competitions. We actually had a partnership with a bar downtown. Um, I kind of jumped on the train of trying to make it more commercialized. Uh, had, a, had an event for a charity. Uh, it was the Bearded Villains event. And I actually ended That's an it. awesome name. Oh, it's an awesome. It's it's almost like a motorcycle club. Okay. So in order for you to join the join the I guess it's the group. You have to be a uh, prospect, just like a motorcycle gang. Okay. You know, and you kind of got to show up <laughs> to so many meetings and all this and that. But I'm so busy right now. I was like, I want to join really bad because I got a beard that's pretty fierce. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's not even tame right now. I usually get it trimmed. But anyways. Um, kind of reminds me of the one Kev got rid of this man, year. And it was, I had a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Well, anyway, we're not going to get in that. <laughs> <laughs> Rabbit hole. Anyways, um, so... We were down there at Pitch 25 for that event. The owner saw us, loved loved what we did, saw how popular it was, kind of got on the bandwagon of, well, everybody else is throwing these up. I mean, there's like four or five places within a 50-mile radius here. That's, that's all they do. They sell you beer, they make you sign a waiver, and they let you throw a hatchet. Not that a sounds awful. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's great. Beer and hatchet throwing sounds like a problem. Well, if you don't know what you're doing, okay, agreed. Okay, um, <laughs> and you know they they give them minimal training, unsupervised. Uh, I think is what yeah, right. Yeah, pretty much unsupervised. <laughs> um, you know, and whenever we do it, we. I set up a batting cage and I'll have two lanes in the batting cage, two separate targets. I do two people at once. I used to only do one, but it's way more cost effective and the line's not as long. Um, so I'll, I'll 
walk them through. I'll give each person five practice throws, training throws where I'm, all right, you're too close. You're too far back. You need to keep your elbow up. You know, you're, you're trying to throw it like a baseball, flicking your wrist. You know, I, I run them through all that and then they get 10 throws for points. And like I said, whoever has the highest points at the end of the night wins one of our Tomahawks. Cool. So it's, uh, it's much more hands-on. It's super exhausting for me, uh, <laughs> especially like an eight hour event. I'm just beat afterwards. Oh, uh, and yeah. I'm, all I'm doing is teaching people how to throw tomahawks, yeah. but I teach them the right way, the way I was taught. And, um, I, I'm pretty good at it. I mean, I could show you some videos where I can throw two at a time in one hand. I okay. can throw two at a time at two different targets. And with one hand, Wow. two hands, two targets. Um, I can throw from like, uh, 40 feet which is about three rotations. That, that's a good ways with it. Yeah. 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 It's like 12 yards. Accurately. <laughs> yeah. So that's a lot. Uh, and I, I was going to ask you because I mean, like, and you were talking about like some of the forms, like people flicking the wrist and all the different ways yeah. that people try and do it. The other thing that I noticed, again, you mentioned this when you talk about ax throwing is like, you know, when you go pick up like a hatchet or an ax, usually from the store, they They're have like a curved, forward heavy. curved handle to them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and yours have a straight handle. Yep. And is what, what's, what's going on? What's the difference there? So the reason a tomahawk handle nine out of 10 times will be, uh, tapered towards from the head of the tomahawk down is because these are what's called a tapered fit. Oh, sorry. It's, it's what's called a tapered fit. So on a hatchet, you put the 90% of the time you put the head of the ax on top of the thing and right. you put a wedge in there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is made to come out. So rather than breaking your tomahawk or it's not made to come out. Let me, let me rephrase that. So whenever I put my tomahawk in, uh, when I forge it, I forge the eye of the tomahawk tapered just like the tomahawk handle. So when I hammer it down in there, it goes in as far as it can and then it'll stop. And if I keep hammering, it'll crack. So this is a super tight fit. And the reason we do this is because it's for quick handle replacement. Mm. The one thing with tomahawks is most of the time, if you have a really well forged tomahawk, you're not going to break the tomahawk metal head itself. You'll break the handle. And there's actually games in Renaissance, you know, not Renaissance, um, it's not renaissance rendezvous like old you know timey rendezvous where they dress up and you can't have a cell phone all that stuff yeah um <laughs> they play games where it's uh reenactments yeah there you go yeah. uh you gotta cut the handle of the other person's tomahawk oh so like one person sticks it up there and the other person has to cut it off well if if you had a hatchet your your hatchet's done yeah, you know without without you off. having another handle and another swedge and a saw to cut off the top and you know what i mean um so with the tomahawk you just pull the you know, you knock out the old handle, put the new handle in, hammer it in, you're ready to go again. Mm. So, so how, how do you, what's, what's the proper technique on throwing this bad boy then? So you, a lot of people want to choke up. I, I always tell people you want it at the very bottom. See, so it's tapered. So you don't have to open your hand when you throw it. All you have to do is go forward and just barely loosen your grip and it'll slide right out. So I always, when I'm telling people to throw, I have them start with a parallel elbow pointing at the target. Uh, you want your elbow to be parallel with the ground. You bend at the elbow to a 90, you raise the elbow, not all the way. You're not trying to stretch your back with it. You go about four to five inches, six inches if you're a big guy, and then you just snap forward, right? And then you just let go. So you don't snap your wrist like you would pitch a baseball. You just let it slide out of your hand. And if you're at the right distance, the thing about ax throwing, tomahawk throwing, 90% um, you need to know how far you are in order to know how hard you need to throw. Um, if you throw the same way every single time, you can throw it from multiple distances without even thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So I can like right now I could go up and I can normally stick it on the first try from seven paces or five paces. And then I can turn around and I can go, that's one rotation. And then I can go to seven paces and I'll turn the blade around to where the blade is facing me and not the target. This will be one and a half rotations and the, it'll land to where the, uh, the handle is pointing up in the air and then I'll take another two steps back and I'll put the blade back forward. I'm at two, uh, two full rotations. And then you just keep doing that math until, like I said, I can do it from about four rotations is probably my best. Wow. That's so, impressive. Yeah. yeah. But that's like over my fence. I got to like get way back and like throw it over my <laughs> fence at my target. Yeah. Your neighbors are like, here he goes again. We Tom live on an, we live on an acre. So, um, <laughs> my neighbors are pretty cool. They're pretty laid back and, they don't mind, you know, when I first built the forge, I was like, Hey man, I'm going to be making noise, but I promise to be respectful. I won't be doing it before eight o'clock in the morning and I won't be doing it 
anytime after eight o'clock at night. I mean, I have a big blue max 110, which is a pneumatic trip hammer. Mm -hmm. The thing shakes the ground. Wow. Oh, it's so awesome. <laughs> um, it, if you, if anybody out there that has ever done forging or if anybody's ever even seen the show. So on the show, they have big blue and they talk about it's the trip hammer and it moves metal about 10 times faster than a human can. Wow. Mm. Most humans, some people out there are just superhuman and they can swing a hammer all day and never get tired, but I'm not that guy. Um, I could do my fair share, but eventually my shoulder and my arm was going to be beat. Um, but my trip hammer, it, it never gets tired. Mm. I just got to get some more oil on it and make sure it has enough air and make sure all the things are tight, you know, nice and tight. I can stay out there and forge on that thing all day long. Mm. So, but it makes a lot of noise. Yeah. So. Well, you're hammering metal. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. What do you expect? <laughs> and like I said, most of my neighbors are pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Nobody really complains. Yeah. Slip them a tomahawk every once yeah. in a while. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, well, actually one of my neighbors across the street, um, he's, he loaned us his tractor so we could dig out the foundation for our, our mice. Yeah. That is know. a good neighbor. Yeah. That is a really good neighbor. Just, I know. It's like, man, sweet. <laughs> I don't have to rent one. Yeah. They're not cheap. No, they're not. Trust no. me, I looked. <laughs> and it would have taken me a lot more than a day. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so, so let, let's say like somebody listening to this is like, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I've always been curious about getting into, into this, into blacksmithing, into forging, and, and I, I'm wanting to get started. Like what would be like maybe the, the few key things that they would need to, to really get going to, you know, start their career, whether it being making kitchen knives or tomahawks. All right. Or, the, the three things you need in order to be a blacksmith. <clears throat> and I mean, this is proven all the time. Um, you need a heat source, something that gets super hot. Uh, a lot of guys use propane. You can use coal. Coal is actually pretty cheap. It's about, I want to say like $10 for like a 40 pound bag, yeah. $20 or something like that. I don't know. I just buy it in bulk. Um, you can get coal forge, little air crank, you know, hand crank air. It's super cheap. Not, you can make one out of a no bellows. Oh, actually <laughs> cowboy, uh, over at Phoenix knives, he has a giant bellows. Oh yeah. And it is awesome watching him use it. Cause that thing it has the most perfect tempo of a coal forge. Like I have an electric fan on mine. So, I mean, I can get my heat up going really good, but there's a point to where it gets too hot mm. with that bellows. He's in complete and total control. And it's just like one, it's one simple, easy hand move that he does with it. It's awesome watching him do it. Huh. Um, so you need a heat source, you need a hammer, obviously, or something hard to hit it with. I wouldn't suggest using a rock. Uh, you might hurt yourself. Um, <laughs> And then you need something hard to hit it against. Yet again, I wouldn't use a rock because heat and rocks and hammer and stuff doesn't go very well. So a really cheap way to go is getting an old piece of railroad. Um, a lot of guys use mm. that. Or uh, if you can find just a cast iron block, that works great. Um, anvils can be pricey. The better the anvil, the more expensive it is. Uh, running rate a couple years ago is about $8 a pound. Mine is... Like 150, 165 pound. Mm. So, and mine's actually like a really more expensive brand from Britain or Europe. Uh, it's called a Pendleton. It doesn't have like the normal flat uh, end. It cones out at both ends. Mm. So it's like one flat cone and one rounded cone. Okay. So it, it, I couldn't tell you what they used it for, but it's a cool anvil. Um, I kind of wish I would have kept the other one I had rather than selling it. So it's um, not an Acme. No, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't buy any Acme stuff. I've watched that. too many cartoons. Yeah, I mean, he dropped them all the time. Yeah, I'd be dropping that on my foot. Good old Wiley Coyote. Oh yeah. I mean, that obviously didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they worked to being hard and heavy, so no, they never uh, got the Roadrunner. So, yeah. <laughs> but um, those are the three things you really need, and then you just really need the passion. Uh, you need the passion to fail, and be able to get back up because I there's. I'm still failing on a daily basis. I was telling him earlier that I had a client, I was working in the shop today, me and my wife were finishing up some products and uh, had a client's tomahawk completely done, did the heat treat and had a stress fracture all the way down the, the blade edge. And uh, that was like two weeks worth of work down mm -hmm. the drain. Wow. And the final step. And it's a crucial step. It's the most crucial step. Um, and it, I had to start over from scratch. Yeah. So, you know, we had to really hustle to get this guy's tomahawk order that he's been waiting on for a while. Mm -hmm. now. Um, 
but you just got to have the passion to fail and be like, all right, well, let me, let me regroup. And I've, I've ruined countless knives because I'll get too heavy on the grinder. My wife gets onto me all the time. I mean, it really has to do with, I have a really good grinder that I bought from my predecessor. And, uh, if I have it full blast with a full blast, you know, sandpaper, sandpaper grid on it, 36 grit, and it, it chews through metal like it's nothing. Yeah. And, uh, so you just gotta, <laughs> you just gotta have the passion to learn, the passion to fail and the passion to keep going. Mm. Really. Well, with um, the, the, the items that you mentioned, you know, the, the, the heat source, the, the hammer and, and something to hit it with, I mean, mm-hmm. what, what, what could someone reasonably expect to be able to make with that? Oh, you could make, I mean, there's guys out there that solely make knives just on a, you know, a propane forge, which you can get for about 150 bucks, a, a railroad tie, which is like, you know, the flat part where the wheels roll on. Um, and then just one hammer. I mean, that's, and just you could, you could probably get all that for like 500 bucks and they make some beautiful work. I'm sure you, you know? can find lots of YouTube videos on. Oh yeah. I mean, there's YouTube videos for days on how to build a forge and how to build a propane forge versus a, you know, air assist forge, which I wouldn't suggest cause you'll melt shit really quick. <laughs> when you start adding propane and air together, it's like, you're getting into temperatures you don't need to get into. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you wanted to do it at very cheap, you can go that route. If you wanted to spend a thousand dollars, you could still get a really good startup forge and, uh, be able to make whatever you wanted. It's just really has to do with the passion and how, how do I say it? Um, ingenuity. What's the, what would be like the ingenuitive? That's not the word I'm looking for. Anyways, <laughs> how creative, there we go. How creative <laughs> you can be on making your own tools um, because blacksmith <clears throat> tools, like really professionally made ones are expensive. Yeah. Um, and yes, please. Um, it would be, you know, it'd behoove you to buy the better stuff. But at the same time, if you wanted to go cheap, you can. It's not going to be a big deal. Sorry. Well, we're all thirsty over here. We're drinking, <laughs> drinking some water. So sorry for the pause. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the, I've, uh, I've, I've recently watched a guy do some forging, uh, over the course of a week, which was, which was really a lot of fun. Um, and it's just a, you know, you, you mentioned the word creative and that's really what it, I mean, what it really boils down to. I mean, this is an art. It's an art form. And yeah. honestly, before Forged and Fire came, it was a dying art form. Mm. Um, now, mm. Forged and Fire has just ignited the bladesmithing portion of it. Okay. And I feel like the um, there has been a couple show, uh, different shows that have stemmed from it more ornamental. Um, There's one that was like Detroit Steel or something like that, or Philadelphia. Anyways, um, there's been a couple blacksmithing shows on TV that have gone away from knife making and more into ornamental stuff, not competition shows, but like family shows like these, it's a reality show of this family. That's all, their whole family is blacksmiths. And all they do is they make expensive art pieces or, you know, a fence gate for somebody. So it, um, I feel like the ornamental part is thriving, but it's still kind of lingering at the backside to the knife making because mm. knife making has become so mainstream because of Forge and Fire. Everybody loves the show. I've known countless, countless bladesmiths that have just started bladesmithing because they love the show so much. Okay. And I'm like, man, take some time, make those knives, you know, make your money, do whatever you want, make knives, have fun, but take some time to learn some ornamental stuff. You know, make that little wizard head, make a scorpion out of a railroad spike or, um, you know, because when you do that stuff, it's it's like little trinkets. I know a lot of people don't want all that little trinket stuff, but it it's cool. You're, you made a little piece of art, and it may look like crap. It really might. But to you, it's an accomplishment. Yeah. You know, you can make a beautiful knife, but you can't go out there and you can't, you know, make a pineapple twist on a square stock or, mm-hmm. you know, um, you can't make a little face and something. And most of the guys can. Most of the really good bladesmiths that have been doing it for a long time, they can. They can make pretty much whatever they want. So that's well, cool. Before the show, you and I were talking about uh, that bourbon company that was talking about coming to the knife show that we're going to get into in a minute. But I don't, I don't know if you know, it's called uh, Heaven's Gate. Yes. And the reason it's called Heaven's Gate is because it's Bob Dylan's label. That's what we were talking about. And he's now gotten into gate making. 
Yeah. And he, oh. make, he makes metal gates now. That's cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. So, uh, which was why he was interested in coming to the show and the, yeah. that whole thing we would coming love, together. We would love him, especially if Bob <laughs> Dylan himself came out. Oh, yeah. Like, have him as a guest judge. So, I haven't, I haven't gone down the rabbit hole, but I really oh. want to find like some pictures of some of the gates that he's made. Okay. Because that's, I mean, like that, that's apparently like he's, of, he's not making music. So. Speaking <laughs> of the event, Michael, kill me because I've gone like 50 minutes without even talking about <laughs> show uh just talking about myself sorry mike uh, mike's my partner um we are putting on the texas custom knife show it's going to be november the 16th uh at southern star brewery it will be from 12 p.m to 8 p.m um the significant thing about this event is i have 28 forge and fire finalists uh, champions contestants you know guys that are on the first round and out um i have 28 of them coming and they're going to be setting out their knives. Some of them are going to be doing demos. The real big thing that we're really excited about is we're going to be doing a mock forged and fire competition. Mm. Oh. So I have four to six guys already lined up. We're going to have equipment out there for them, forges. You know uh, who it's going to be yet? Yeah, I've got a few of them. Can't um, announce I it. I won't it's, divulge it's, it's, that information <laughs> yet. Uh, you got to come. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to save that information a little <laughs> closer so that we can kind of, you know, jump up the, the excitement for the event. Must be good, y'all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we're going to... We're going to have four to six bladesmiths do a railroad spike knife. And um, that's a pretty simple knife. Most of the guys can do them pretty quickly. Uh, we're going to give them a very short time frame, just like they'd have on the show. And then we're going to have a panel of judges, three judges. We're going to do very minimal testing. We haven't really decided on what we're going to do. We don't want to damage these blades. We're not going to be hacking them into elk bone or anything that would just destroy it. Um, the reason that we don't want to destroy them is because all the blades that are going to be made in the bladesmith competition are going to be put into our live auction, which is be directly after the judging. Um, so anyways, we'll, we'll pick a winner. Uh, the winner will get, you know, something and we'll, we're going to be cool and give like second and third place something. Um, not everybody's going to get a participation trophy. Um, I'll give them a pat on the back. That's not this kind of, it's not this kind of an event. A lot of sad blacksmiths, y'all. It's not this kind of an event and they know that. Um, so after, after all the judging and everything's done, which we have actually Alex Middleton from 94.5 The Buzz, the Rod Ryan show. He's going to be one of our guest judges. Uh, Cool. He does Pass the Gravy podcast. I don't know if y'all ever heard Oh, yeah. Him. Yeah. So um, he's going to be one of our guest judges. We might have somebody from the Chamber of Commerce on there. And then if Bob Dylan comes, I'm serious as a heart hey. attack, yeah. you let him know I want him as a judge because that would <laughs> kill. That would kill. I would blow Mike out of the water. Um, Wait, if I get Bob, do I get to come on as? Yeah, okay. sure. Okay. Why not? All right. I'll let you do some of the testing. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm the host of this event. I'm going to be the Will Willis. So just have the ambulance standing by. Just cooler. call him Fruit Ninja. That's yeah. right. Fruit Ninja. Um, so after the judging, we're going to do a live auction, which all of the benefits of the live auction, we have a bunch of uh, bladesmiths donating uh, Big Blue, the... Uh, the trip hammer manufacturer, they donated a bunch of tongs and stuff. All of those proceeds are going to go to casualties of war, which is a Houston area, um, veterans based, sorry, I'm tripping on words, veteran based charity. Uh, they pretty much help veterans, first responders, um, active duty, anybody that's kind of, how do I say this? You, you get what I'm saying. First responders, veterans, they, Anybody that's having troubles like paying bills or anything of that nature, they reach out and they help out. Uh, either they get them with a organization that can help or they give them the money themselves. So all of our proceeds are going to them. That's awesome. So, you know, right now we're looking at, um, thousands of dollars. If, I mean, if people bid, like I think they're going to bid one of the guys, Dwayne Bennett, he built this hammer and I would bid $300 $300 on it, but my wife would kill me. <laughs> um, uh, it's a beautiful piece. Okay. So, you know, people are going to be donating all kinds of stuff and we're really going to have fun with that. And then, you know, throughout the day, we're going to have live bands. Um, obviously it's Southern star brewery. So there's going to be beer, there you go. um, a lot of really good beer. I don't know if y'all have ever been over there, but they, they make some pretty good sweet beer. I know y'all are much closer to B 52, but we're not going to get into the game. We're not going to get into the Conroe beer wars. Okay. Um, well, I, I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and throw this out. I didn't even talk to Craig about this. We could donate a, a podcast subscription to anybody who, <laughs> who wants. We'll go ahead and uh, throw that in for free. That's right. Okay. Put it people on the could, auction block. People could bid on it. And um, yeah, that ought to be a hot piece. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. 
That's all I got, man. <laughs> well, what what else have we missed? I mean, is there anything that that you were kind of hoping to talk about that we hadn't asked you about? No, nah, man. I talked about Forge and Fire. I talked about the event at the very end there. Sorry, Mike. Um, <laughs> I talked about my business, and I I pretty much hit it all. Well, cool. <laughs> yeah, and we already uh, asked you how you could get a hold of you, and uh, we'll we'll throw all that up in the show notes. And cool. Uh, so you'll be able to just you know swipe up again yeah. and uh, find all, all that and all that stuff's on Facebook as well too like yeah, the Texas so, Knife Show and the yeah the Texas Knife Show is actually on the stickers it's at TCKS or whatever it's on the somewhere on here okay. at Texas Custom Knife Show um, and it's on Instagram and then you can find me on Facebook and Instagram YouTube all at Bravehawk Forge doc or Bravehawk Forge that's hawk not heart. Hawk, like, oh, <laughs> caca. Yeah. Let's all start making bird sounds. My wife is cracking can, up. Can, can they buy these cool hats that I, that I yeah. got? Yeah. Uh, we sell these. We sell t-shirts. Uh, my wife makes the custom t-shirts. She'll do it any size you want. She'll put something goofy across the back. And, you know, if depending on what it is, we might charge you more. But <laughs> that's just because vinyl is not cheap. Yeah, no, and neither not. is her time. That's right. Yeah. So. Awesome. Well, cool. Well, we only have one last thing to do, Craig. And that would be the final four. The final four. So this is uh, last four questions. Last four. I don't know the why I said four. last four. It's <laughs> the only four questions <laughs> that we ever ask our guests uh, at the end of the of each and every show. So uh, these are just um, hopefully not too difficult. We'll see if you pass. Uh, first question is this. What's the must-have tool you won't leave your house without? Um, my, my knife. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Do, do you have a specific style? Or do you, did uh, you make I'm, your own? I, I made assume? it. Okay. It was, um, it's like a gym. I made a Damascus it? knife. Oh, there you uh, go. It's a little short with a little short with deer antler. Uh, I guess it's like a little short hunter. Sorry. Um, Damascus knife. I made three for our wedding. Mm. We got married in January. I made one for me and one for each one of my best men. And it snowballed. And I made one for every male in our family. Nice. <laughs> so um, that's exciting for them though. Oh that's yeah. They loved it. The, yeah. the dads and the grandpas loved it. I, I, bet. I made them little boxes and stuff. They cool. They all like idolize it. And I'm like, hey, that was good, but I could make it better. Yeah. <laughs> I was in a rush. <laughs> so awesome. Cool. All right. Second question. What's a job you walked away from? Um, well, we started to put up a new fence in our backyard so that we can get goats and chickens. Okay. And now all the fencing material is piled up in the backyard. The, they're like big cattle panels. Uh-huh. Um, they're piled up with weeds growing all through. They're still so there. They're still there. I, yeah. the I haven't walked chickens. away from it. I don't know. We're not <laughs> sure if we're allowed to have them with our HOA. <laughs> and yet again, HOA is telling me what to do. Yeah. My house. <laughs> um, no, it's cool. I, I love the HOA concept. Keep, yeah. keep everybody from making the neighborhood uh trashed place yeah. so yeah like weeds growing up over wood and stuff oh yeah or just <laughs> car cars on blocks hey right. they can't see it I, it was not wood it's metal fence cattle oh, okay, okay. <laughs> the wood would have rotted away by now it's been forever <laughs> so it's been a while it's been a while okay you walked away poured, from this job i almost a while poured ago. some gasoline on it so i could just burn all the weeds away <laughs> but i was like no nah, that's probably a bad idea hoa would probably get you for that no i burn i mean i put burn piles in my backyard oh there the you go so they wouldn't know there you go they can't see it from the road they don't care they what would all they just be going what's he forging now <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah that's funny that's funny okay cool uh well third question what's um well that's not the question at all i'm turning to craig over here he doesn't know the, the questions here's a question how do you wind down at the end of a long day i usually sit on my either sofa or my chair and watch tv with my wife like okay we're supposed to be watching big brother right now big brother we're gonna go hit that up as soon as we get home okay yeah all right so is that that y'all's thing is that's our show like, i mean we just like we reality just shows i mean nah, Fortune we, fire big brother oh yeah pretty much um <laughs> have you like, have you watched your episode like how, oh yeah many times like, do you have a hard time watching yourself or do you enjoy it oh i enjoy it you enjoy so it i think i'm hilarious okay <laughs> i think i'm one of the funniest people in the world and i'm i've been really like toned here okay. I'm, i haven't been too mouthy i guess you'd say i have a dirty mouth and uh i've been trying to hold it back um you were by far like the best dressed in that episode well thank you i yeah. appreciate that because <laughs> i was so disappointed that braxton won in a and i'm sorry in a freaking hoodie <laughs> like, you wore a hoodie dude you wore a hoodie you wore a hoodie and you come won on come, come on man yeah <laughs> who are you bill belichick right 
No, you're not Bill Belichick. <laughs> no, it, uh, a lot of my coworkers gave me a lot of sh- crap about that. Um, <laughs> see, y'all catch it now. I was consciously thinking about it earlier, and now I'm not. Um, they gave the me water. crap. Yeah, they gave, yeah, they gave me crap about it at work. Like, oh, you wore a vest. You know, you wore a vest to this Christmas party. You remember that really like frosty blue one you wore to the Christmas party a couple years ago? And they're like, that was so gay. And I was like, no, that thing was sweet. Yeah, it was Christmassy themed. I couldn't find like a red or a green one, so I got a frosty blue that looked like ice. And I like, you looked so. You're like you were wearing denim jeans. I looked awesome. All the, ch- all the, ch- you know, forget y'all. I all the good. females in the office were like, nah, he looked, he looked super stylish. Like y'all need to, y'all need to take a note from him. And I was like, see what, what? Like, yeah, I like to wear a vest. Okay, <laughs> get off my back. <laughs> That's funny. That's good. All right, last question. Um, what's the one of the best pieces of wisdom or advice you've ever received? Um, it would probably be from my mom and it's, uh, it's going to sound super cheesy, but you can do anything. Uh, you know, I've, I've gone through many careers and jobs and everything. And, uh, she's always believed in me pretty much. You can do anything. That's good. Just stick with it. Yeah. Don't give up. And I've done it and I'm on my own business. I've been on TV and you know, we're killing it. Yeah. Well, you said it earlier. I mean, and I think this is like a really, really important life lesson. Which is don't be afraid to fail. I mean, oh, man, that that one is that one I had to learn on my own. Yeah, and my mom told me that when I was younger, but I, it didn't click. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, that one, you just kind of. I'm I'm only thirty, but I feel like I'm aged well beyond my you know, years because I've had you know you have hardships and some people have more than others. Yeah, and uh, I had my fair share. Yeah. So hmm. well, well, it, I mean, I, I just feel like that really goes hand in hand with you can do anything. Yeah. If, and then don't if, be afraid to fail. Yeah. If, if you're willing to fail and yeah. willing to learn from those things, you can do anything. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. So, so cool. Awesome. Yeah. Craig, what are we missing? Dude, that's it. That's it. I'm, I'm going to go make a knife. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I hey, y'all are more than welcome. Come over to the forge. <laughs> Speaking of which, I do classes. Okay. Um, I mean, we charge for the classes, but if y'all want to come over and just hang out in the forge sometime, by all means, well, I'll stand outside of it. No, you can stand in there, dude. I'm I'm super safe. <laughs> I right. only cut myself. Hey, I'm in. I'm in. Let's yeah, do it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, uh, I can in. make a farrier's rasp knife in like a day. Okay, I'm in. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Let's yeah. let's make it happen. Of course. Cool. Y'all, y'all got my information. All <laughs> right. Yes, we do. We're gonna give it to everybody that's listening right now. So, uh, thank you for downloading the episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. I enjoyed it here. a lot. I enjoyed yeah. it a lot. Yes. <laughs> been fun so uh yeah thanks for thanks for downloading the episode share it with your friends and we're here every tuesday so until then we'll see you later see you